Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was an evangelist here in America, went around preaching and uh, all throughout the United States and uh, saw hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people come to know Christ as their Savior. But uh, Billy Sunday would travel around and he had a car that he would travel in and uh, he made it so that uh, when he would come to an area, he would stand on top of the car and preach. So he could be above the crowds and everything. He'd stand up on top of the car and preach. And so uh, Billy Sunday, man, I'm telling you, the Lord just really uh, blessed that. And so I thought, well, maybe if I get to really preach and I'll jump up on top of here and uh, see what happens. But <laughs> who said do Who said do it? <laughs> I figure you really can. Yeah. Ken said do it. Yeah. I'd probably fall off and break my neck. It wouldn't be good. Yeah. All right. It's for the gospel. That's right. Yes. John chapter 15, and we'll begin reading in verse number 13. John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Father, we ask that you just bless the message now. Lord, use it to speak to hearts. And uh, Father, I pray that you would just work in our service today. And the Lord, just uh, convict us. Lord, encourage us, draw us closer to you. And we just thank you for your love, Lord. And uh, we ask that you would just have your way in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a really interesting passage of Scripture here. Many people are familiar with verse number 13, Greater love hath no man than this. The man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. Two words that Jesus uses here in these few verses, two words that are very important words. He uses the word servant and he uses the word friend. Servant and friend. So let me ask you something. Would you rather be a servant of Jesus or a friend of Jesus? Would you rather be a servant or a friend? Now, let me just say this. Either one is pretty good. To be a servant of Jesus Christ, we, we, we don't even deserve that, right? To be a servant of Jesus Christ. But one is far better. To be a friend of Jesus, man, that's special. In fact, David says in Psalms 84, verse number 10, he says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in God's house than to dwell in the tents with the wicked. A doorkeeper was simply the one that would open the door for people. Basically, a doorkeeper was the greeter, right? He said, David said, I would rather be a greeter at the house of God than to dwell in the tents with the wicked. A greeter. So what would you rather be, a servant or a friend? I want us to look at these two words and really understand what they mean so that we can decide what it is that we want to be. Because we have to make that decision. Do I want to be a servant or do I want to be a friend? The word servant, in the English word, there's really just the word servant, When you go back and you look at Greek, there are many different words that are used to describe a servant. One of those words is the word ikites, 
The word ekites is in English translated servant, but it means more of like a, a house servant, someone that's actually more kind of like an employed person, right? Uh, Peter uses that phrase uh, or that word in 1 Peter chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 10. There's also the word that is translated servant in the English language. That is the word diakonos. Some of you may be familiar with that word. That is where we get the word deacon from. Deacon, diakonos. The word diakonos, again, translated as the word servant, but means a minister, someone who is serving, right? They're ministering, they're, they're serving, right? Um, again, many times people get the idea of a deacon. Uh, they think a deacon is a position of power or prestige or something. No, the office of a deacon is an office of a servant. They're to serve. That's what they're there for. They're to serve. But then we find that the word that Jesus uses for servant here is not those words. He didn't use the word ikites, and he did not use the word diakonos. The word that Jesus uses for servant here is the word doulos. The word doulos. And the word doulos means a slave. A slave. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 9, we have the passage of the centurion, uh, centurion um, and he has a sick servant. And this servant is sick, and so the centurion sends people to Jesus, and he says, look, my servant is sick, would you, would you heal him? And so Jesus says, all right, I will go and heal him. And the centurion says, no, 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 you don't need to come. He says, I understand authority. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a soldier. I understand authority. He says, you don't need to come. You just need to say the words. If you just say the words, I know it will be done. He said, I'm a man of authority because when I tell a servant to go, he goes. And when I tell a servant to come, he comes. When I tell a servant, do this, he does it, right? He said, that's, that's the idea of a servant. A servant has no will of their own. They are simply given a command to do. They're given something to do and they are to do it. No questions asked, right? And that is the word that Jesus uses here, doulos. It's very interesting. When you study, you'll find that Paul refers to himself as the servant of Jesus Christ, that doulos, the slave of Jesus Christ. Peter does this well in 2 Peter chapter 1. James as well in James chapter 1. Uh, Titus, or excuse me, um, uh, Jude does as well. All of them referring to themselves as the servant of Jesus Christ, the slave of Jesus Christ. And again, to be a slave of Jesus Christ is, again, we don't even deserve that. We don't even deserve to be the slave of Jesus Christ, the servant of Christ. But what does the word friend mean? The word friend that Jesus uses here is the word philos. The word philos means someone who is beloved. A person that you know well and regard with affection and trust. A friend. It's where we get the word, even in Greek, there are different words for the word love. We know that the love of God, even though it's the same word love, is what we would call agape love. It's unending, it's immeasurable. But there's also another word of love, and it's called phileo. Phileo love. Phileo love is 
what we would call brotherly love, right? You think about the city Philadelphia. What is Philadelphia? Philadelphia is the brotherly or the city of brotherly love, right? That's from that word phileo. And this is what Jesus uses here. He uses this word philos, that beloved one, a person that you know well, with high regard, affection, and trust. You see, a servant doesn't know what his Lord's plans are. A servant doesn't have all the in and outs. If you notice here in verse number 15, he says, For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. A servant is simply there to serve. When the master says go, he goes. When he says come, he comes. When he says do this, he does it. His job is simply to do exactly what he is told. He is not to ask questions. He's not to ask the infamous question that children love to ask, why? <laughs> you ever had that? Why? You know, don't ask why, just do it, right? Why? Because. Well, because why? See, a servant doesn't get that opportunity. They don't get to ask why. Even if they have a better way of doing it, they don't get to say, hey, well, what about my way? No. Again, the centurion says, when I say go, he goes. When I say come, he comes. That was that servant, that doulos, period. But a friend has such confidence, there is such high regard for someone that he wants to share his plans with them. Again, think about what he says in verse number 15. For I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. A servant doesn't get the end, the, the inside scoop, right? It's just the friend, the friend, the one that is close, the one that is trusted gets the inside scoop. A friend has... He's like that inner circle. We have lots of acquaintances. We call people friends, but really they're more of just acquaintances. Because we have very few friends. Very few people that we really trust like that. Maybe you've even had a rough experience with someone you considered a friend. Jesus did. In fact, it's, he was even prophesied what would happen in Psalms chapter 41 and verse number 9, uh, prophesying about Jesus. He said, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Jesus speaking about Judas, of course. Think about that. Judas for, uh, picked by Jesus himself. Jesus calls Judas, knowing that Judas is going to be the one that's going to betray him. Yet Jesus brings him in, and Jesus has him sit at the table, and he eats, and he provides for him, and he, he teaches him, and he loves him. And yet he says, yet this one that was so close, he was one of those 12. I mean, thousands of people came to Jesus, but it was only those 12 that got to be with him everywhere he went. But Judas betrayed him. Jesus knows how that feels. To be betrayed by someone who is close. But I'm glad the Bible tells us there is someone who wants to be your friend who will never let you down. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 24, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. 
It's not just that phileo love of brotherly love. Yeah, I love my brothers, but this is that agape love, that love that will never end. This is that love of someone that is so close and so trusted. He will always be there for us, no matter what we're going through. This friend. But I want you to notice in verse number 14. Ye are my friends. But notice the next word. What does the next word say? What is it? If. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't like that word. Mom and dad would say, hey, we can go get ice cream or something if your room gets cleaned up. (laughs) That meant I never got ice cream. (laughs) We're going to go do something if you get your chores done. You see, it's conditional. It's not a guarantee. It's conditional. All throughout this series of abiding in Christ, abide in me, Jesus says, We've seen that there are so many things that Jesus wants for us, but they are conditional. Jesus wants us to bear fruit, but it's conditional on if we will abide in Him. He he wants us to show that love of Christ, as we saw last week, but that's conditional if we will abide in Him and let His love flow through us. He wants to answer our prayer, but that is if we will follow Him and do what He says. And so there are many things that Jesus said, look, I want these things for you, but it's conditional. It's not a guarantee. It's not just because you're saved, just because you know Christ is your Savior. Now, all these things are there. No, no, they are conditional. It's conditional. Jesus says, ye are my friends. Now watch, if ye do whatsoever I command you. I say, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought it's the servants that have to obey and do. Isn't that what we just found? That the servant is the one that's supposed to do. Well, yes, that's true. That's absolutely right. But you see, Jesus is showing us a very special relationship that we can have with him. When servants become friends. When servants become friends. Do you want to be a servant or do you want to be a friend? And Jesus shows us here how we can move from being a servant to being a friend. What's it take to become a friend and not just a servant? Notice a couple things that Jesus tells us here. First of all is obedience obedience again he says in verse number 14 ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever i command you when we obey when we do when he says do and we do it when he says come and we come when he says do this and we do it when we are obedient to christ we are showing our love to him you see this is what the christian life is all about The Christian life is not just about getting saved or accepting Christ as our Savior, having our sins forgiven, and then just living however we want to live. 
No, no. The Christian life is one that has said, hey, I understand the life that I'm living is, is wrong. The life that I'm living is a life full of sin. And with, if I'm living in this sin and I die in this sin, I'm going to die and go to hell because of my sin. And so when we see that Jesus Christ was willing to die on the cross for our sin and pay for our sins, we, we look at the direction we're going and we look at what Jesus offers and we recognize and say, what he offers is far better. It's much better than the direction I'm going. And we are willing to repent of our sin and turn away from our sin and turn to Jesus Christ to save us and to give us that gift of eternal life. There is a turning from our sin and a turning to someone, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus doesn't just save us so that we can turn right back around and go back to what we were doing. No, Jesus saves us. There is a repenting of our sin. There's a turning from it. And there is someone now that we are following whose name is Jesus. And so we are to follow him. That's what our life is to be about now. Not turning back to what, well, this is what I want to do. No, no, no. That's supposed to be forsaken. That's supposed to be behind us. Now it's supposed to be about what Jesus wants. And that's why he says, if ye do what I command you. Yes, we can, we can accept Christ as our Savior. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, friend, let me, let me tell you, a church cannot save you. A, a church cannot wash away your sin. A, a prayer. You say, well, I, I had somebody pray for me and that's how I got saved. Look, friend, a prayer cannot save you. Just somebody praying for you doesn't wash away any sin. Giving in the offering doesn't wash away any sin. Being a member of a church or getting baptized or doing a bunch of good things, that does not wash away any sin. The only way that our sin can be washed away is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And that's why Jesus came and died on the cross. That's why he gave his life. so that Because he recognizes the direction we're going, it's not going to be good. That direction is going to lead us straight to a devil's hell. But Jesus said, I want you to know that I love you. And I'm willing to give my life for you. So you don't have to go that direction. And if you're willing to turn from that and turn to me and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can be saved. He said, Pastor, is that really all it is? I don't, I don't have to do a bunch of works. I don't have to, uh, you know, be a member. I don't have to, to do all these different rituals and things. No, no, friend. Jesus said salvation is by grace through faith. It's simply trusting in what Jesus Christ has done. Now, please don't misunderstand me. We don't just say that we put our trust in Jesus so that we can keep going the direction that we're going. Friend, that's not salvation. If there is no repentance and a turning from that sin, there is no salvation. A lot of people say, well, I'll just say a prayer. I'll just say this prayer and now I'm going to get to go to heaven. Friend, salvation is not just a prayer. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. And we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He saves us from our sin. He washes away every single sin that we've ever done and every single sin that we will ever do. And he gives us the gift of eternal life. And he says, now you belong to me. But just because we belong to him doesn't mean we're friends yet. You see, we're servants. 
but he wants us to move from being a servant to being a friend. And the only way that can happen is through obedience. He says again, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Are we willing to obey him? Not in order to keep our salvation, but because of his love for us. Because of what he did for us, are we willing to do what he asks of us? Jesus Christ was willing to go to the cross and die for your sin and my sin. Does that mean anything? Does that mean anything? Is, it really, is he really asking too much for us to do what he asks of us when you compare what he has done for us? He's not asking too much. He has paid for our sin. He's given us a home in heaven. He says, now all I'm asking you is to do what I want you to do. Will we be obedient? You see, in order to obey, though, we have to know what he wants. And here's the problem. Many Christians aren't obeying because they don't know what it is he wants them to do. If the, if the servant doesn't know what the master wants him to do, how is he going to be able to do it? Now, please don't misunderstand me. I said many Christians aren't obeying because they don't know what he wants them to do. But it's not because he isn't speaking. It's because we aren't listening. The reason why we aren't obeying is because we're not listening to what he tells us. Oh, yes, we can, we can have our ears open, right? Guys, has your wife ever been talking to you for a little bit? And then all of a sudden she uses that one phrase. What do you think, babe? Oh, boy. Um, now you're really in a pickle, right? Because if you say you don't really know what she was talking about, that's not going to be good. But if you answer without really knowing what you're saying, you can get yourself in hot water too. So as guys, we just kind of fumble around. Oh, you know, whatever you think, babe. That's, that's a great answer. Whatever you think, babe. <laughs> well, no, what, what do you think, dear? Oh, we, we heard she was speaking but we weren't really listening. And so often that's what many Christians are doing. We know Jesus is speaking, but we're not listening. We know his word is here. We know he speaks through his word, but you know what? We don't take time to read his word. We know that he speaks when, and when, we're, t- when we're in that time of prayer and communion with God and, and we're able to talk with him and he's able to speak to our hearts, but we don't have time for that. And so because we're not listening to what he says, we're not able to obey what he says because we don't know what he said in the first place. Because we don't take time to listen. You see, it's not just because we're not doing, it's we're not listening because he is speaking. We just aren't listening to exactly what he says. We have to be in his word. 
spending time in prayer and communion with him. We have to listen to what he says. All throughout scripture, he shows us what we are to do. Think about this. He shows us the form of his love when he's willing to wash the disciples' feet. How did he wash the disciples' feet? As a servant. In John chapter 13, what does he do? He, he gets on the floor like a servant would do and washes their feet, the job of a servant. And then what does he say? Now I want you to wash one another's feet. What's he saying? I want you to serve. I want you to be a servant. I want you to minister. That's that word, diakonos. I want you to minister. I want you to be a servant and serve other people. Are we listening? Are we listening to what he says? In Matthew chapter 23, in verse number 11, when he was talking to the disciples, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. What does Jesus say? He says, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Your servant. In John chapter 10, verse number 18, he says, and this is really interesting what he says here. No man taketh it from me, talking about his, his death, his life. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. So think about it. Jesus is saying in John chapter 10 that he is going to die because this is the commandment of his father. This is what his father has told him to do. Even all throughout his ministry, what do we find? Jesus always going back and referring to, this is what my father wants. This is the will of my father. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. It's always going back to obeying the father. Now, again, if you've been part of our study, you understand nowhere, no time was Jesus any less God. He was always God. He always has been God. He always will be God. But in the Godhead, there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus willingly humbled himself, submitted himself to the Father's will. And so he says, this is the commandment of my Father that I lay down my life. Right? But now watch this. In Acts chapter 15... He does not describe it as an act of obedience. In Acts chapter 15, he describes it as an act of love. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. It's an act of love. Jesus loved his father and he was willing to obey whatever his father wanted. And he's telling us, look, if we are going to obey, then we have to be listening to what his father says. We have to be listening what the Lord Jesus Christ says. If we're not listening, we're not obeying. And if we're not obeying, we're not able to move from being a servant to being a friend. I want you to know the second thing here. Not only is there obedience, but there is trust. Look what he says in verse number 15. Henceforth, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Think about this. Jesus says, everything that the Father has told me, I want to be able to share it with you. I want to be able to tell you things. I want to be able to share these things with you. You see, when we are obedient in what he asks us to do, it shows that we can be trusted. We can be trusted. How many friends do you have that you can go to and just open up your heart to them about everything? How many people who call you a friend can open their heart to you about anything and everything? See, we don't have a lot of those type of friends. Why? 
Because we just don't trust people. Maybe we've had a bad experience in a relationship, or maybe we've had a bad experience with a friend like like Jesus did. Somebody that was close to him betrayed him. You say, I'm just not going to trust anyone anymore. You see, in order to be a true friend, they have to be trusted. And this is what Jesus is saying. I want to know that I can trust you. And the way that I know I can trust you is if I see that you're obedient to me. If you're obeying me, then I know I can trust you. And when I trust you, then I'm able to share things with you that I can't share with anyone else. It's a really interesting passage when you go back to the book of Genesis. There's a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham had a servant. His name was Eleazar. Eleazar was a servant in Abraham's house. But the other thing that we find about this servant was he wasn't just a servant, he was a friend. He was a friend of Abraham. Think about this. Can you imagine sending a servant hundreds of miles away to find a wife for your your son? Can you imagine doing that? Here's here's Abraham. He's all the way in in Israel, and he needs to find a wife for his son. And so he says, you know what? I can't make this journey, so I'm going to send a servant. I'm going to send a servant to find a wife for my son. That's got to be a pretty trustworthy servant. I mean, come on, let's face it, right? I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't think there's anybody that I would trust to find a husband for my daughters or to find a wife for my sons. I'm not going to be like, hey, um, you know, Nolan, uh, I need you to go to Washington and find a a, a wife for one of my sons. No way. Nothing against Nolan, right? I mean, Nolan's a great guy. But that's that's some heavy thing right there. You got to find a wife for my son. I'm not going to tell Brother Jake, hey, Brother Jake, uh, you know, can you go up to Maine and find a, uh, find a husband for my, one of my daughters? That ain't happening. <laughs> Sorry. Again, nothing against these guys. They're great guys, but I don't trust them that much, okay? Not to find spouses for my kids. I mean, that's, I'm going to be pretty particular, right? Abraham sends a servant. For the promised son that God had given him, he entrusts a servant to go halfway around the world to find a wife for his son? How did Eliezer get to be trusted so much? Because he had proved himself as a servant. When Abraham said, Eliezer, I need you to go out and take care of the sheep, Eliezer went and took care of the sheep. When Abraham said, Eliezer, we gotta, we've got to pick, pick up camp and we've got to move. God's told us we've got to move to a different place. Eliezer helped him pick up camp and they moved to a different place. Eliezer was obedient to what Abraham said so much that Abraham said, I can trust you with the most important person in my life my son. And I'm going to trust you to go all the way halfway around the world and find a wife for my son, Isaac. That's pretty trustworthy. I just got to say that's, that's pretty trustworthy. 
that Abraham would do that. I'd have a hard time trusting anybody to do that for my kids. And yet Abraham had such confidence in this servant because he wasn't just a servant. He had become a friend. He'd become a friend. He had proved himself obedient. He had proved himself trustworthy. Abraham is another example of this. He was not only a servant of God, but he is also called the friend of God. There's not many people in the Bible that were ever called the friend of God. Many people are called the servant of God, but very few are called the friend of God. But in the book of James, chapter 2 and verse 23, it says, The scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. That's a pretty impressive title. How did he get it? How did he get this title, the friend of God? Because when God said, Abram, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and I want you to just start moving. I'm not going to tell you where you're going to go. I'm not going to tell you where you're going to end. You're just going to pick up, and you're going to start moving. You know what Abram did? He obeyed. He obeyed. When God told him to do it, he did it. When God said, Abram, I want you to take your son, your beloved son, the one that you love. I want you to take him and offer him as a sacrifice. Immediately, the Bible says, Abram took Isaac. He went three days' journey to Mount Moriah, and he took Isaac up on Mount Moriah, and he took that his son that he loved, and he put him on the sacrifice or on the altar, and he was going to offer him as a sacrifice. Why? Because not only was he obedient to God, but he trusted God. He said, God, I trust you. I know you promised that this is the son that, that is going to have a great nation. This is the son that you've promised to me. And so, God, if you want me to offer him as a, as a sacrifice, I will, because I know that you will either raise him back to life or you're going to provide something else. You, I can trust you, God. And Abraham was able to be trusted because he was obedient and he trusted God. I wonder, can God trust you? I didn't say, can your wife trust you or your husband trust you or your kids trust you or your boss trust you. Can God trust you? Because if God can't trust you, how are you going to be a friend? You see, we're talking about when servants become friends. There must be obedience. There must be trust. May I say thirdly, there must be love. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friend. How do we know that Jesus loved us? Because he laid down his life for us. And friend, I'm not saying that everyone has to give their life and die for Jesus Christ, although many have and many will. But he's not saying we have to die for him. But here's what we have to understand. When we are willing to love him 
more than self, then we can be true friends. When we're willing to love him more than our desires, love him more than our plans, love him more than anything else, then we can be friends. You find someone that really has a close friend, and I mean a close friend, that they share everything with. The friend knows more about him almost than what they do. And that friend is willing to give anything and everything they can for that person because they love them. Jesus Christ gave everything for us to show his love. Why aren't we willing to love him more than anything else? You see, again, just because we're a Christian, it's not guaranteed we just immediately get to become his friends. He said, ye are my friends if ye do what I command you. And henceforth, when you do what I command you, henceforth, from that point, I don't call you servants anymore, but friends. Because you've been obedient, you're trustworthy, and you love me. You love me more than you love yourself. And you're willing to give anything for the one who gave everything. I wonder whether our heads bowed and our eyes closed this, evening, this morning. No one looking about. What do you want to be? Do you want to be a servant? Or do you want to be a friend? Here's what's amazing. Jesus wants us to be friends. He doesn't just want us to be servants. He wants us to be friends. But you and I have to make that decision. Whether we will remain as a servant or whether we will become friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do what I've commanded you. Are we obedient to the Lord? Are we listening to him when he speaks? Or have we stopped listening? We don't even listen anymore. And that's why we don't obey. Because we don't know what he's saying. When's the last time you opened up the word of God and really got into it to study it and say, God, I need you to speak to me. And spend time in prayer and say, God, I need you to speak to me through prayer so that I can be obedient to what you want me to do. If we're not obedient, how can he trust us? 
There's no trust there. And there's no love. Because our love is more for self than it is for Him. Can a servant become a friend? Absolutely. But it's up to us if we'll follow what He says. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm not even sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died where I would go. But I would like to know how I could repent of my sin and put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save me. I'd like to know that. Friend, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to come to you. But I would like to pray for you this morning if that's you. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I died. I'm not sure where I would go. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about. Just slip it up and put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. Somebody else. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure where I would go. Pastor, pray for me. Christian, are we servants or are we friends? The choice is yours. Father, I pray that you would bless in the invitation. Lord, use the message to speak to our hearts. You want us to be friends. But only if we're obedient and trustworthy and love you more than we love self. Father, would you help us in this? Lord, if there's someone here today that does not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, that before they leave this morning, Maybe during the invitation or after the service, they would come and speak to us so we can show them from your word how they can be saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.